0: All right, so this has been a long awaited. It's uh, one of the BRS uh, 160 updates. If you watched 52 weeks of reefing, uh, and sat through like, I don't even know how many hours. So it must be like 30 hours Uh, of material at this point. Have you sat through that whole thing? This is the one episode that matters, right? Uh, cause we're gonna go back and look through the whole thing. So yeah. we're gonna look at uh, like what worked, what didn't work, some things that you didn't know ever, ever happened cause I didn't actually release the information. <laughs> uh, and uh, also some things that we would have done differently.
1: Yeah, for sure. This is like uh, five years of our, my personal experiences and how I interacted with this tank uh maybe like three and a half four because that's how long i came i came in at the tail end uh but a total like five years of yours but both of our separate experiences combined and uh we're going to talk about it right here in that first update in like eight months or so so all that's coming up
0: all right so for me this really is like accumulation of everything we've really changed in the last Mm. five years so like When we started this thing five years ago, it was really like every single thing that we thought we knew about reefing here, like all the research, all the different team members here, everybody we talked to, we just shared all in one thing. Things change, Uh, and so what you get to see today is really some of that evolution. So I'm gonna start right off with some of uh, the stuff that you just never knew happened. The fun Uh, stuff. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) One of which is uh, we lost all the fish really early on. This was Uh, before my
1: time. I I did not, when you were talking about this, I did not know it, I had no idea.
0: We kind of hinted at it uh, yeah. in the, like some of the videos and like on Facebook and stuff, but yeah. actually really early on, we got velvet in the tank, and this is before we had any corals or anything, and it mm. just wiped out all the fish. Oh, okay. Right, uh, and did so... You, did you have like your spot
1: gobies then
0: too, and like some clowns <laughs> and...
1: Chromies or something. I don't remember
0: the exact fish that, that yeah. uh, were in that debacle, sadly. Hmm. Uh, I know there was a, a couple of uh, purple tangs and uh, the blotchy anthias, yeah. the original guys who were in there. And so, for those who don't know, uh, you know, like these are videos, so we kind of like had to. Uh, you know, just replace them, I guess, you yeah. know? And it was kind of early on, man. I didn't really know like uh, what we should be sharing and what we shouldn't share. Like nobody wants to show you dirty laundry. Uh, <laughs> and so we like, we hinted at it, but we didn't actually say like all the Lost. But now, man, is a good time to talk about it because uh, it's like that whole quarantine conversation. You know, Elliot, yeah. you can see it live uh, with him and how he handles it. Yeah. But like, Hmm. I I do it totally different now, right? Oh yeah,
1: well, yeah. We'll definitely talk about like
0: how we'll do some of those things different. So we're definitely going to talk about that, but like uh, that's going to come up later in, in the episode. So today, yeah. also, what else didn't you know? Uh, people ask this all the time. Yeah, this one. Uh, what did you not know? And it's
1: probably been answered in a variety of different ways. But why we switched to Triton? Uh, my answer, my understanding for that is, right about the time when we were doing the BRSTV investigates on catomorpha and refugiums, we really started to learn like, what these things were capable of, especially if you light them properly. And then that was right around the exact same time like Triton was coming out and it was this method around the primary means of filtration was a refugium. We saw how effective a refugium could be, and it uh, just kind of came together and was, uh, it was like, oh, that's an interesting concept. Like, uh, we see that this thing can outperform uh, a lot of other filters out there, uh, a combination of filters, it's natural. And now there's a whole method behind it that do- addresses trace elements and major elements and minor elements and filtration all at once. Like, maybe we should try this out for the community and see if we can do it on this tank.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So really what you got to see there, if you asked a real answer as to why we switched to trident is because I personally got really excited about it. I just, one day, man, I saw all the puzzle pieces connect, Yeah. you know, and I'm like, well, if we're not removing, uh, if, if there's no nitrate and phosphate in the tank because the refugium is working well, you've replaced all of the major, minor, and trace elements. Yeah. Uh, and I know it because the ICP, it tells me so. It's not just, I don't have to trust anybody. What is that water change doing? What is that water change doing? Yeah, yeah I, I like I don't know, man. It was just like I have to find out, mm. and I have to let you guys know too, right? And so you can watch, you know, how that transformed, and you're gonna hear a little bit more about that transformation yep. as well later. But like that is really the heart of why we changed over, you know, is because in the middle of like. This is so cool. I need to know more about it and I wanna share it with the universe. So that was a big thing. Well, it's
1: things like that that pass that, uh, that smell test for the community. Like if it seems plausible, it, it, should, be, it should be right. Uh, and that was one of those like no water changes because of you know uh, nitrates, phosphates, and minor trace elements like you said then, yeah, this should be plausible.
0: Let's try it out. All right, That's so this cool. is the big thing here, too. Now, stuff you never knew, you never heard, like, a super straight direct answer about, you're going to hear it right now. Okay. All right, so which <laughs> one did you like best is oh, something yeah. get asked all the time. Triton or Zeovate? I'm going to let you go first.
1: Uh, okay, so we're, we're probably differing opinion. I think I'm pretty sure we are differing opinions on this one. Triton is more my speed. Mm-hmm. Triton's my speed in that, um, you know, as far as, like, uh, nitrate excess nitrates phosphates control and things like that. I've got one. I personally feel connected to something that's natural when it comes to filtration. So if I'm growing something natural to that saltwater tank environment, then I feel better about it being my my filtration approach mm-hmm. uh, rather than like maybe like GFO or carbon dosing or all these unknown type things. Like I'm growing uh, algae and it works for me. And then that fo- that whole four part system. It's like I've I know how. I know how effective dosing two-part is, and I know I can make big batches of it and then just forget about it. So when you get the 10-liter bottles of the four parts of Triton, and I can just hook my dosers right up to it, and uh, so now I'm really not touching the tank very much. That's my speed. Like I don't want to touch the tank. I do less water changes, less frequent water changes, and my hands are kind of off the tank.
0: So I got to qu- ask you a question, though. So yeah. Uh, it's not just dosing four part and running a refugium. The Triton method yeah. means that I'm only doing water changes when the test kits tell me so. So are you saying that that is a, <laughs> a, a, something you're actually going to follow? No, because I didn't follow it. No, yeah. so it's really Randy's
1: method using Triton's products and some of the you know their their approach to filtration, uh, and then of course then you you so for me it's like Zeovit uh, is Triton's replacing the little blue bottles with individual elements that I may or may not need. Some I may need more, some I may need less, uh, but there is kind of like a trade off. If I follow it correctly, I'm still doing my water changes and I'm probably like supplementing or uh, watching for di- uh, different types of elements. Maybe not, as, maybe not blue bottles, but I do have
0: you know, some direct guidance. Am I gonna do it myself? No. Yeah. Uh-huh. So for me, if I look at both of these two things, uh, I probably won't do either one of them mm. exactly as intended, which means like, I'm not going to do the Zovit method. Yeah. I'm not going to do uh, the Triton method either. And A, the water change thing just didn't work for me. Something uh, we'll share later again in, in more detail. Mm. Uh, but the Zeovit thing, we actually ran a refugium with the Zeovit. So we kind of yeah. deviated from the beginning. So yeah. uh, you can decide how much of that really mattered in the whole mix. But for me, I will just say that I saw the best results using the Zeovit method Mm. uh, between the two. Uh, They were both really good, but this is why. It's because if I was following the method of the Triton, The four part absolutely really worked. The Mm -hmm. refugium Mm -hmm. really worked. What didn't work for me was only doing water changes when the thing told me, because we didn't send them out often enough. And when we did get it back, we're just busy. And so like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, the tank looks good. So I don't do it and then things die. So I saw more mortalities because I wasn't listening to the report or Mm -hmm. sending it in. than if I was just doing the system, the 10% water changes and stuff that came with the Zeovit, I just saw more mortalities running the, the uh, Triton system than the Zeovit. And for me, the Zeovit too, like some people will tell you like they don't really like, uh, you know, monkeying around with the tank every day. Yeah. I had never been more in tune with the tank in my entire life. Okay. So, you know, drip in the little drops in every day. And then looking back at it also, like there's parts of this that like, like I will just say it, the Germans just do not explain what they're doing very well. <laughs> uh, because some of this stuff, takes you know 10 years to like for you know the community over here to like fully understand mm-hmm. right and so what they're doing over there was uh, like adding, you know, really low or having running really low nitrogen and phosphorus in the tank, but tons of nutrition yeah. in the tank, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Uh, and then you're producing, you know, really awesome uh, coloration and growth with that. And like, that's part of the thing that came into the hybrid method that we did later. Like we were dropping amino acids, the LPS ones, the yeah. SPS ones, the coral vitalizer and all that kind of stuff in there and we're replacing all that nutrition that we're uh, taking out and really low nitrate and phosphate so that you don't have all kinds of pests in the tank. And I don't know, that worked out really well for me. Mm. So in the future, I might run the whole Zeovit system, but instead of running those like rocks, Just I run just run a refugium. refugium. That makes sense. So it's kind of a hybrid here, but like, so that's what people ask all the time here is which one do we like best? I'm going to go with Zovid. if I was actually, I guess neither one of us would run either one 100% it would again. Be, it would be my method. It would be your method, kind of a
1: mix with some of that stuff.
0: The one one caveat to that is that uh, they now have the, like the, the vibe for the rocks, right? Oh yeah, the automatic uh, vast Marine. Yeah, so you don't have yeah. to actually like, you know, pump the rocks every day. I haven't actually tried using that thing yet, so if that thing worked, I might actually run the rocks too. Yeah. In fact, I'm gonna retract. I, I would. <laughs> okay. Because you're running the whole system, why not? Yeah, why not? Uh, I might still run a refugium, because I love them. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. So Zeovit for me, and uh, kind of Triton for you. Triton for me, and you, I mean,
1: you were talking about the hybrid method, so what can you tell us? There's something on your list here of that stuff that you don't know is what was our first interaction with Worldwide Corals, because this is your story.
0: Oh, yeah. So uh, something that you guys probably don't know is how we got hooked up. So you guys remember we had uh, Austin Aqua Farms yeah. in here. We had Battle, uh, Corals, Battle Corals, Unique. Unique, uh, and it was the four of them in Worldwide, yeah. mm-hmm. right? And so for those of you who don't know, there was uh, you know, what I basically went around is I went and like toured the entire facility here. It's like, all right guys. You know, we're gonna promote some people here. Who's your favorite place to buy corals from? So I went to all the customer mm-hmm. service, I went to all the reefers here, and we asked where everybody's favorite place to buy corals was. And I called those people up, right? Yeah. And there's probably uh, I don't know a dozen of them or so. Yeah. And uh, like a handful of them got back to me. In fact. Adam at uh, Battle Corals, Battle corals yeah. like he didn't even get back to me. I just ordered like three grand worth of corals, and that was enough for him to like call hit you me up. Like, hey, what's <laughs> this all about, right? Uh, and uh, but Worldwide Corals was actually that was my first interaction with them. So that's something probably most of you didn't know because it's really blossomed uh, today. Oh, yeah. I just put another dozen corals in here. They sent us. Uh, out. They
1: did. They sent us like eighty some different corals. So a bunch of them went in here, and you'll see in other updates a bunch from winning the other tanks, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, uh, it's worked out really well, and it created the whole WWC hybrid uh, BRS uh, WWC hybrid method.
0: Yeah. So, by the way, uh, I, some of you probably haven't seen it yet, but like, check out the hybrid method. It's, it's. I would call it like an evolution of the one hundred and sixty in some degree, and like, uh, it's still kind of a similar format, but like, yep. we really think about it in a different way, uh, and. Uh, that's kind of the method that i might think about for the future a little bit when we are talking about which ones we'd pick but a big thank you to the worldwide guys because they've actually put like almost all the tanks that you see around here look sharp because they helped us put corals in them Uh, and they send us out stuff all the time they sent like 50 shirts yesterday so yeah uh big thank you to those guys uh but right on now i think we're going to move on to what worked on the brs 160 before we get to all those fails First thing was uh,
1: heavy feeding with lower nutrients. So I mean, this is uh, because the refugium works so well. So we had the refugium running, we had the H1200, big giant light, you know, heavy duty, only running it at 5% because otherwise it would just, it was the the beam of the sun straight on this this, uh, refugium. But we started to find that it was working too well, undetectable nitrates, nearly undetectable phosphates and no matter how much food we shoved down this tank's gullet, it just would not raise up. So we ended up cutting it to like three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and I think like maybe uh, 10 hours or so. It was at 12 and then 10, and I think we're right around there for three days a week. Uh, But that coupled with a whole bunch of food going in here, so different types of food too. Uh, Particulate food for the corals, bigger food for the fish. So basically, we're making the fish produce more waste and there's more free-floating food. Corals start to
0: and color up. Yeah, so uh, that's it, man, is heavy in, heavy out. And so filtration has gotten so good these days. Refugiums work, the roller mat was working, like everything was working. So uh, you can dump food in the top, right? Uh, Which means that I can feed, you know, more than just nitrogen and phosphorus to the corals. Which is like, that's only like one component of the whole mix, right? Yeah, proteins and aminos and yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, later on again, WWC hybrid method uh, uh, shows that up in, in that that one, heavy in, heavy out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and thinking about coral nutrition, not nutrients. Right. Uh, so that worked out really well. Another one that worked out uh, on this one is lighting, man. I think no matter how many times we've touched this, and we barely have,
1: the it's been T5 LED combo from the get go, mm-hmm. and we've swapped out from castles to castles back to new castles.
0: I think that it went AP 700s, yep. then the 360s yep. to the 360xs. Yeah. Okay. So, but the meantime, the whole time, it's gonna, it's been uh, T5s in there, mm-hmm. uh, AP, uh, the ATI Blue Plus bulbs. And I will tell you, at no point was lighting ever our problem. No, I don't think and it was so. And so, the Kessels are so easy. Like You're not flipping all these switches and stuff. And yeah. It looks good. The balance of the two, the shimmers right uh, once you mute it with uh, uh, the T5s. This has just been like the no-brainer one. Like just You don't spend worked. a ton of time trying to get it right each time. Mm-hmm. And just for your reference point, the reason that we switched between those three ones is the AP700s were doing just fine. Yeah, Uh, except for the wireless link between them was really wonky. Yeah, we had three of them, so trying to
1: connect them and digging your fingers up under there and trying to get the Wi-Fi to connect, and it was just, it was tough.
0: And trying to get it set for you guys so we could video it was the the thing, right? And so we just, there was no reason to change other than for video, man, it was a giant pain in the butt. And we got like 8 million Wi-Fi devices here uh, at the facility. So we switched over the 360s uh, and I was just fine with that. The only reason we changed is because it came with something new, and why not? <laughs> uh, the True. 360s were doing just fine, and you can you can see it in the results. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I don't know. And lighting uh, worked. Mm. Man is actually the primary light being the T5s, and then the LEDs are really just there to fill it in. You know, nice blanket of light. It's muted. The shimmer's nice. Mm. Colors nice. Uh, I mean, especially with this dip, of tank. So you know, mm-hmm.
1: for some people, like four T5 bulbs on this size of tank and SPS probably wouldn't be their primary, I don't know. But I mean, you're talking like all the way down here towards the bottom, we're getting plenty of light down there for some of those Acros to grow. Mm-hmm. So for that to be four T5 bulbs plus five castles and set it and never touch it again. Oh, easy. Uh, another thing that really worked, sharing the journey, Oh, for, for me too. Uh, this is the whole reason why I got in. And one of the, just like you guys, one of the whole reasons I got into reefing was because of this tank right here, because I got to follow it and we got to learn every week.
0: Uh, I got to tell you, uh, Dave and I were just sitting around one day and like, wouldn't it be cool if we set up a tank and filmed it every week, and then we take all this like uh, knowledge about carbon we've been like you know spouting out every week, yeah. but we wrap it around something cool like an actual tank. <laughs> uh, I had no idea what we were really doing at the time. Yeah. Uh, but now you know, like we go to the shows, and, and you know, all like people we meet are like, oh my god, thank you 50 for two the 52 weeks, weeks, reefing two weeks. Watch. And yeah. They're Like, oh, thank you, man. I had no idea so many people would want to watch us talk about reefing. Right? Oh yeah. Uh, and uh, but really though, like. If you watch that thing, like somehow suffer through it from beginning to end, the whole thing, uh, me, Rep, just talking to you. Uh, you know what, like, there's so much knowledge there's in there. There's so much knowledge. And then it's on a journey, you get to see the whole thing, and more importantly, you get to see the failures, the wins, the losses, and uh, like, you know, tie real results to uh, a real journey, man. So that was a big win for this one for me. Yeah, and I think the most valuable
1: episode will probably be this, fail, you know, mm. at the end of this one is like, or it, it, what actually didn't work with the 160. That'll mm-hmm. be the most valuable to me. I might even start there and then come back and watch the whole thing.
0: Yeah, but. Uh, really, man, the fails are the, like where it went wrong, because we thought out those things, man, really hard. Yeah. You know, uh, really, really try to take every bit of knowledge we had, man, uh, and uh, share it to the best of our ability. The uh, thought process for us a lot is not chase the mythical best every time, but do no wrong. Do no harm. If you did it this way, you would be successful. Mm. And in the end, I think that's true, but we just actually found some ways that you can be even more successful, right? Yeah. Uh, The game just evolved in five years.
1: Oh, I I think that some of the information in some of those episodes, we've maybe changed our minds on, or
0: tweaked a little bit, or or learned more about. Uh, Yeah, man. Uh, I think another one, man, you already touched this a, a lot, but the Fuge was a success. Right. oh yeah,
1: it's totally worked so uh, I think uh, there was there was some talk about like should you run skimmer and F- or uh, skimmer and fuge should you run Zeovit and fuge should you I mean these questions pop up all the time and I don't uh, when I first got here you had we had the fuge mm-hmm. and we had got this light, this horticulture light, and it was the H one, like the H three fifty, not the three eighty, the three fifty. It was a white body one, oh, and yeah. it was uh, one. I think it was like one color. It was like grow. It was like purple, uh, but that thing was on there, and it was growing Kato like, like crazy. That's the chamber was a lot smaller since you cut it out, uh, but or since before you cut it out, uh, but it was working right alongside of the Zeovit, and I don't know if we really. Push that too too heavily. There was an episode where you did the refugium, but even I, we still get comments to the, you know years later afterwards when people see the marine pier blocks and the filter socks and stuff in those chambers. You know, a lot of people were under the impression that that's what we stuck with when some of that, but there were so mm-hmm. many things swapping in and out of there. Mm-hmm. The last one that we settled on was the refugium.
0: Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, I mean, some of you probably haven't been around reefing for more than five years, so like refugiums are like now the thing. Yeah. Uh, they were kind of a thing, you know, prior to that too. I mean, they were like, like, far from the first refugium in the universe. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, like People used them, but the thought process back then, and the, if you looked around the forums and everything, and the information that was being shared, uh, for the most part, it was they need to be super mega. Oh, yeah. Like they need to be 50% of the size of your tank. They need to, like, for them to work. They need to, like, have all this crazy stuff and it Which would makes sense. Yeah, well, I guess.
1: It makes sense if you're using, you know, a
0: $5 CFL bulb. That's a piece that like, once you see it in action and you like do the math and somebody says some of the stuff out loud, you're like, oh, I can't unknow that now, <laughs> right? And so when we did a bunch of the TV experiments uh, on the refugiums, we found like, I kind of expected to see that you would like reduce the nutrient load by like 25%. Yeah. Which would mean maybe 25% less water changes. I'll throw some algae in the trash and do 25% water changes mm-hmm. less for sure. But what we found was it took it all out. It was gone. Right, yeah. Yeah, And pH was up, and yeah. Especially when we used a proper light, and then like, Mm. this is the part where once you hear it, like, of course, right? We were all using a $5 bulb, you know, from Home Depot, like, Mm. designed to grow a plant or whatnot. Yeah. uh, To try to out-compete, like, the thousands of dollars of lights (sighs) in the display. That and, was never gonna
1: happen. And in spectrums that the uh, a lot of the spectrum from that CFL bulb, the plant doesn't even use anyway. Do- doesn't use. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so now we use a, a lamp that is uh, as high par as the one that's in the front. Mm-hmm. Uh, lo and behold, it works. Like, of course it does. And also, like, if I have one this big, uh, I can make it actually one quarter of that size if I increase the rate of photosynthesis four times uh, by using a higher power light. They're like, oh. Well, of course, (laughs) right? Uh, And so refugiums, man, was big. Uh, Like we put it on this one and now you see refugiums on like everything. Oh yeah. Like you get the data out into the universe and then you can like, you know, make informed decisions on how big you want it, how big you need it to be and how you plan on lighting it. And if it is uh, working or isn't working as well as you want, like, well, Hmm. I can buy a nicer light or I can tune it down if I need to, I can run it. Like in this case, it was working too well. That was one of the things. Uh, And uh, we actually changed it uh, to like every other day for a while, you know, off of that. But yeah, Refugium was a big one. Uh, Also, uh, the uh, fourth take on electrical was a a
1: win. So, I mean, the intentions were good behind the first few episodes where uh, you had to start somewhere. I mean, you had to get water in there. You had to get a pump plugged in. So you had power strips like most people or some people would start. I started
0: with power strips, regular old power strips. So let me um, move in secondary. Yeah. So the fourth take at electrical, just for uh, get you guys all up to speed, means that uh, like we did some episodes on how to do electrical safely and they were great, uh, but there's been like a handful of revisions since then. Uh, And you can see it if you watch real close, uh, but I'm sure uh, Dave will overlay some stuff here where you can see (laughs) where it's actually at now. Uh it looks but, very yeah, clean. that's what I was at. So fourth take on this, man, actually uh, worked out in the end.
1: Well, it makes sense too, because at the same time we were trying to, you were, you know, building this tank and teaching people about it, you had to, okay, now we're gonna put a controller in, so I gotta redo everything, and now we're gonna add in these this equipment, so we gotta redo everything. And yeah. it ended up being like this mass, this nasty wire of cord, cords, massive cords coming through the wall. Uh, all the way down below beside the tank there was all intentions of mounting a whole bunch of stuff on these really nice boards but they were leaned up against the wall with cords shoved underneath of them and everything on the front was displayed nice. And if there's one thing that like Terence that you uh, you said you took away from Terence, I take away mm. from Terence too is you know if it looks clean then it's you know, then it is clean and like it's well kept. If it looks well kept and it's you know it's clean, it's a well, I forget I'm butchering. Clean it. Clean is synonymous with safe. There you go. Clean and is synonymous with safe, and in which case, I, I would be willing to bet that before it, it looks like what it does now, there was parts in there that were not safe for sure. For sure.
0: Uh, so yeah, that was the big thing, man. Is like we spent all those episodes getting them perfect, and it was actually really nice the day that we installed it. Oh right? yeah, but. Like we were changing stuff all the mm. time, man. And, and uh, I was maintaining pumps and taking them out and putting them in and like our solution did not, it was only gonna work the day that we did it, yep. right? And now, the doors like swing open, and oh, yeah. it allows for you to like remove stuff. We're using Velcro strips that are easy nice. to take off, mm-hmm. rather than uh, just uh, you know plastic strips or zip ties or whatnot. And much safer. Yeah. So one of the things I'm going to share with you guys when I'm doing my build at my house, uh, which will get jump started pretty soon again, uh, is I'll share how to actually do this right the first time, uh, so that when you put effort in, you get to reuse that effort mm. uh, because like. It worked now, but like I guess I could put three. Uh, the four try worked. The three, third, first three uh, did not work. So you really got to think. When I as soon as I put this in here, this actually needs to be removed someday. How am I going to do that? Right. Right. And so mm. if you get that in there, uh, that's it. Uh, next is the return pumps. Yeah, we work.
1: we've had two two types of return pumps on this. There mm-hmm. was the Vectra, and now the Abyss. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the the, uh, the vector worked really well it was brand new pump it was controllable it was DC is controllable it was, DC, it was, controllable. It was blue it was quite I mean it was blue kind of matched our form and function back there which was really cool mm-hmm. uh, but it, it put out enough we've got a manifold back there so it puts out enough flow to if we wanted to use the manifold for we had the recirculating skimmer so we had to feed that there was you know uh, reactor inputs on there the UV sterilizer on there the two uh, two different returns. Uh, and the Vector M1 worked. Recently, the conversation has uh, has evolved again, thanks to Terence, because of the redundancy of uh, a dual return pump, which we didn't know before when we were making the plumbing. When you were like s- mapping this thing out, it wasn't a, something that we wrapped our brain. we like, aha! I Had an aha moment. So it was the one, moment he said it. Yeah. It was, so there was a one pump for dual manifold. Well.
0: It's like the heart, right? There's like one thing that's circulating the water through your display, through all of your filtration. One thing that will for sure suck up a rock or turn off or get stuck or fail or, you know, and something, man. Uh, And so like that happened actually. Uh, And you know, they just wear out, right? And so like two. Now, you know, like if you put two pumps in there, now, like at any given time, one of these could fail yeah. and the other one would still be going, right? Well, Plug so, them into different circuits. So yeah, a GFCI can't uh, fail, just for the cost of it versus if you're installing it brand new from the beginning, like, yeah. uh, cause I, I mean, if you're probably sitting there saying, well, I don't want to go do that. We didn't either. You know, we didn't want to re <laughs> part our plumbing uh, either, yeah. right? So when it came time to do a pump, what what did we do? That was where the abyss,
1: because they had like the 10-year warranty. These things are, you know, German manufactured. They're well made. They're known to last. Just well built. We haven't cleaned this one. I don't think we've taken it off and I don't think Josh has taken it off and cleaned it. But I That was it's one of the things that Sean there for... said
0: too. We uh, did a tour recently. Yeah. It was like a 22 foot long tank uh, and he had all those abysses and he's like, do they're I so, never clean these? They're they so work.
1: reliable. Right. It's redundant in its, uh, in its own. It's the best you can get redundancy you can get for a single pump.
0: So for a single pump, uh, I will say the abyss actually worked. And is it expensive? For sure, uh, <laughs> uh, you know. It is definitely not a cheap, cheap thing, but like what we got going on here is not cheap either. And it's all relying on that one failure point. Uh, And so like, you know, maybe it's not, we didn't even buy it the first time, you know, Mm. it was uh, uh, the vector we did the first time. But when I realized I couldn't have two return pumps or I was gonna have to cut everything apart to do it, like, you know what? I'm just gonna buy the best available pump that yeah. I can get and that will be, you know, the best level of insurance. Again, uh, you know, now I can get warnings. At the time I didn't have this, but yeah. uh, the Apex now has warnings. So if the, it's not drawing power or whatnot, it'll actually tell me you're too much power or whatever. So uh, now I have a variety of different things. We still only have one pump back here. Yep. I'll never set up another system that way, but this one is still running on one pump.
1: Yeah. So I think that the next one that we, uh, that is working or has worked for the brs 160 evolved out of me when i was in charge of the 160 not doing the water changes triton told me to do in which case uh if i don't have the 30 minutes or so to do a water change we'll do it auto water change boom button there you go i can program it to do it uh, continuous all day every day or i can push a button and do a water change But now I don't have to be back here hauling hoses and all this, I can push a button and go back to writing scripts.
0: This was a nice thing, man. (laughs) Uh, Sometimes I really appreciate being able to talk to a couple of people at the top of different areas. Like I hit up Terrence and Kurt and I'm like, dude, like you have this great auto water change system but there's so many people doing Triton now, like they don't want it going all the time. Mm well, like, is there a way for you to just set it up so I can just go and push a button and we'll do a 30 to a gallon water change or whatever I say? And it's like, well, not now, but there will be. And in a matter of weeks, man, they had like released a new firmware. So for Triton users out there, like who want to listen to the report, but don't really have the time, walk up and hit the button, right? Uh, And eventually, you know, we just decided, you know what's even easier than that? Just doing them anyway. You know, like we have huge bats of water around here. Just
1: keep a constant 10%. uh, Or
0: I think it's like 3% It's like
1: 3% a day. day. Yeah, it works out to be like, you know,
0: 10, 15% a a week or something. I don't know. Yeah, but But, 3% a day just happens all the time. I don't have to send out the reports. I don't have to push the button. It just happens. (laughs) And and like, it's just uh, actually easier in the end. But uh, auto water changes, man. That has been like a systemic win. Uh, it goes around it's, to all the tanks it's
1: here. In, it's in the 750 or your ULM tanks, all the tanks back in the lab with ongoing experiments. If it needs a water change in that experiment, it's hooked to auto water change. It's, it's, uh, it takes so much
0: time off of so many people. I'd call it the ultimate stabilizer, man. Like there's so many things that can go wrong with your tank, chemistry can get off, contaminates from your hands, lotion, motor oil, who knows man, like somebody could have sprayed Lysol near the tank or whatever. Uh, and like one little bit of Lysol, you know, maybe not enough to actually harm anything, but like maybe somebody's been doing it like every week for the last uh, yeah. six months, you never know. But maybe that never catches up. I'm taking 3% out every day. So, all those unknowns that are happening, man, are actually not building up anymore. And it's just the ultimate correction factor. So, mm-hmm. if you can do it, the auto water change thing, man, just totally changed the game for me. It also makes sure that I do them in the winter. I do them in the summer. I do it like when work is hard. I do mm-hmm. them when work is easy. I do it like all the time because it's just, I just, all you got to do is go like once a month go dump a bucket of salt in the thing, mix it up, and we'll go yep. on about your day. Yeah. You know, it's super super easy now. So auto water change, like uh, this, was probably the biggest win uh, from a personal lesson for me. And a lot of people think I can't do it or whatnot, but oh. you can run the tubes through the ceiling. You can run them along the floor in a like a little you know cord hider. You can run them outside and then back inside. You can go Through the basement far. Yeah. and back up. Uh, some of ours are going fifty feet, like twenty feet up and fifty feet over. Yeah. You know so. Uh, so In the have, lab, they're going all around the whole room, and yeah. it's, it's, it's just huge. It's awesome. Yeah, so auto water changes is a big, big, big one. Yeah, uh, for sure. Another and,
1: one. Uh, the other one is uh, pegging the calcium reactor concentration. So probably, uh, this is something that we wanted one. to test for a long time, uh, so we ended up testing it. Like, do, uh, if you peg the pH, uh, can you then just adjust the flow of how fast you're dosing that concentrated solution and turn a calcium reactor into something super complicated for a lot of people to not complicated at all, I set a pH and I just adjust a dial, up or down.
0: Yeah, so for a lot of you out there like have contemplated a uh, calcium reactor, I gotta tell you, like they look really confusing. All the information how to run is kind of like tribal knowledge and from like individuals, mm. like there wasn't like a real collective way in how to do it and it was like universally shared. I will just tell you that here, uh, we found a way that works really easy uh, and uh, I don't know, man. This is the way I would do it every time. So uh, all you do is peg the pH inside the reactor using a controller, yep. right? And so if it's a 6.5, you know, the concentration, the DKH is like 40. Yeah. And now it's just a one part machine. Right, Doses calcium and alkalinity, and just how much I dose. And you can use a, a continuous duty dosing pump if, if you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the kamor has been the big one. I think the one from uh, Ecotech that's yeah, coming out here some. will probably be a really popular option. Yeah. You can also just use a valve too if you want, as long as you're willing to like kind of check it and make sure that it's actually you know, doing the right dosage or whatnot. But like now the concentration, if you can just think about this is, uh, I'm gonna peg the concentration at 6.7, it's 25 dKH. It's at uh, 6.5, it's 40. And you have to go to one of his videos to see where it actually landed, but it doesn't actually matter because you can just peg the concentration and then go on your specific tank, find out if it's going up or down. If the levels are dropping, just like two part, all you do is tell it to dose like a little bit more every day, right? It's just so simple. And so, I actually crossed the boundary to the point that in my own tank, I'm almost certain I'm gonna use a calcium reactor. It's just so easy. Yeah. And in fact, I think now easier than managing buckets of two-part and you know keeping them clean and stuff like that. So I don't really know. It will definitely be either BRS two-part because it's just simple. Yeah. Uh, or in like one of the updates you're gonna see is the two-part the uh, ULM, or I guess the hybrid method in mm-hmm. my office, this has been the most successful tank that we've just seen two far. Yeah, so I'm kind of tempted to <laughs> emulate that. But the uh, calcium reactor is so easy now. Uh, if all you got to do is peg the pH in there, and then figure out how much you're going to dose every day. Oh and, yeah, I don't know. And there's calculators even for that now. So uh, I don't know. That was a really big win because I think we just like totally took this really complex thing with all these moving levers illuminated one lever and now all it is is how much you dose yeah it's really cool yeah easy. so that was uh really really cool uh and related to that is the trident yeah the first one in-house here
1: Terrence sent to me and i gave it to the 160. no mm-hmm. uh we wanted to try this thing out for sure and the one prime candidate right here we figured out ways that we could use the trident one uh, especially like when you're messing around with different pHs or you see different pHs, you see different consumption rates and stuff too. But just having my alkalinity, it's especially uh, this tank is what going on five years old now and some of the corals in here we would hate to lose. So just having another alert on my phone, uh, specifically when it comes to, I can do something immediately about it. Like my alkalinity is going skyrocket or it's tumbling or what have you, uh, just another, Uh, mechanism for me to like keep this thing running. So it turns into a five-year tank, can turn into a 10-year tank.
0: For alkalinity specifically. Oh yeah. Like if you can watch the trends of how your corals calcify and how they react to lighting changes and you know, feeding changes Mm. and temperature changes, almost all of that will show up in the alkalinity. And then like just the peace of mind of knowing this, like not just daily, but like hourly and watching it stabilize, like, I don't know, man, like uh, for me, uh, I guess I don't really need the calcium and magnesium one, but I will definitely take it. Yeah, it's there, uh, yeah. Th- that alkalinity one, man, is like a dream come true. So uh, that was actually a big thing that worked on this one. This one kind of came like after the series was started. I threw this in here though, because like uh, I think it's a pretty big win on the system and the stability because it's only stable as how stable you know it is. Yeah, uh, so if I'm not testing or... It's, I never thought I would want
1: to know alkalinity more than four times, more than once a day. And now I'm getting it four times a day. I love it, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I'm just one step ahead. If I miss a day, I don't have to worry about it. This has got my back.
0: Uh, actually, you probably did see some of the updates in here mm-hmm. where like, I shared, especially when I was doing uh, the Zeovit and I was doing the drops, I might as well write down the alkalinity, the checker, so easy. Yeah. Uh, and when I was doing uh, the alkalinity daily, the measurements, quality of the tank went up. Because I was so in tune with the tank, knowing the alkalinity that way. Yeah. And so actually prior to the Trident, man, is where like I really got the value of understanding if you did this every day, you know, and eventually kind of like scales off, but like for a new reefer or a, and a, you know, even actually a fairly advanced reefer uh, that's doing like a SPS tank for their first time, you know, like this gives you a reference point to how your tank's doing it, it goes way, 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 way beyond uh, anything else. So, yeah, uh, that, that is a big one. All right, so another one that worked really well for me, man, and people were super, super uh, cautious uh, about this, and I'm getting less cautious every year, to be honest, right, because they're getting better ways to do it. it, is hooking your RODI system directly up to your sump to replace auto-top off-water. Yeah, this Uh, is... This is a win for me.
1: I don't have to carry it. Like, normally I had a five-gallon, either a five-gallon bucket or some kind of five-gallon. Five gallons, five to 10 gallons, was about the reservoir size, which, you know, for like my 100-gallon tank or a 90-gallon tank, that's probably once a week topping that thing off and then trying to remember that once a week. And if I miss a week of water changes, that's not terrible, but I cannot miss a week of topping off an ATO reservoir. It yeah. just runs dry.
0: So this is like stability to me, right? Uh, like So the salinity is always, which means all the, is always on, so all the other elements are on along with it, or at least mm-hmm. not going off because of that. Uh, and then the question really is is like is the worst the, the, the work and the effort g- going into to solve this actually worth it? And inside of like a week or a month, the answer is no.. Yeah. But if I'm going to keep this tank up for five years, and if I think about the amount of times I'm gonna be hauling you know buckets of uh, top off water to the tank. Yeah, dude, I will absolutely put some effort into <laughs> replacing all of that work. Right. Yeah. Especially because if you can raise your hand and say, like, I've never let my top off no, fail I can't. I can't raise my hand <laughs> to that. You know, I've never let it not not or empty rather. Uh, so yeah, I don't know, man. So you got your float valve, you yeah. got your little mechanical float valve, you got your, some alarms, you got like a solenoid you can put on your apex. You got like, you know, a solenoid that goes on to, uh, the uh, ATO from tunes, uh, the Like mm-hmm. There's all kinds of different ways to make sure that this thing is, is safe. And you know, if all four of those things fail on you all at once, then I guess it, it could flood in, in your house. So you should be aware, but like, uh, you know what, man? Like, there's never any water supply attached to my fridge. Uh, And I don't, every time that I go get water, I'm not like, paranoia gonna burst. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So like, sometimes there's like, we take these calculated risks all over our house, like every single faucet or everything. It all works the same. Yeah. So like, uh, I don't know, Uh, if I put four redundancies in and I never, ever, ever have to haul around another bucket of uh, top off water, I'm totally in, especially when I'm committed to having this tank for many years to come. Oh, yeah. uh, was, this was a total win on this tank. <laughs>
1: uh, I'd say another win that we found on this tank. Uh, and we started with other tanks, so as I, it's we did run into fluke uh, uh, Bryopsis, mm-hmm. and we, we ran into some past analogy issues in this tank. Like everybody does, uh, the Bryopsis got unruly in here. Um, and so we tried, you know, the fluconazole treatments. Like uh, we've tried some of the reflux. The, yeah, the reflux for over the counter or for the hobby stuff. A lot of people works for a lot of people. It worked here. It worked here. Good point. Um, but then we needed a, we, we needed a heavier, harder, more you know, more heavy deuce, uh, heavy duty stuff. So we got we sourced out. Uh, um, what, USP grade type? Yeah, really yeah, so pharmaceutical I'll make grade? sure that
0: Dave finds a bottle and posts it uh, in the video. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly what it's called or where we got it again, but uh, by the time this is released, we'll make sure it's up there. <laughs> yeah. But um, it was like a special Fluconazole. It's not dramatically different. It was just something that Josh at WWC recommended to us and it comes in a bigger bottle. USP yeah. Grade.
1: And it took our Josh, the maintenance guy. So uh, we ran it, reran its course as you should. Like you, I think you run it for a week or a couple weeks. Uh, and then you do water changes, and you get it out, and we did that, and we'd see it die back, but then we'd see it come back again, and we'd see it die back, and we'd see it come back again. So I told—I think we were sitting in our meeting, and he was beating his head against the wall about how to kill it, and I said, "Well, let's do some—let's do a back-to-back type of treatment. Let's let's just hit it full force back to back. If it looks like it's gone, just keep the treatment going, and then we'll uh, completely water change afterwards."
0: And so far it's held it back really well. So that's been, I think that was the mistake, cause you watch it like almost get eradicated, right? But there's still like patches of it all over the place still. Like they're just really small. Mm. They're like that isn't where you let up. That's actually where you uh, kick it down. Oh yeah. Right. Uh, and so just eradicate it from your system. Just give it another dose and just get it out, mm. right? Uh, I will say there's other solutions now, but that actually you know worked really really well. Uh, the one thing I will say is you know people say it has like no impact on their tank. Some people maybe said it does I don't know, but mm. like I will tell you when we dosed it, we saw alkalinity consumption in the in the tank drop, which means the corals were mad. And that just kind of gets into you know the mindset that we can't actually see mm. you know how healthy our corals are. They're not a you know you know kid or a puppy or whatever that can tell you when it's hurt. Right. You know. Right. Right. Uh, and so like that was actually where the trident kind of comes in. Is like we can see the actual alkalinity consumption. You know, drop meaning the levels are actually rising mm-hmm. based on the same dose. Yeah. Right. So, like, if the, re- if the levels are stable with our dose and all of a sudden they're rising, that means the corals aren't Stop taking as consuming. much as they used yeah. to, right? And so, when we dose the gluconazole, I have seen a pretty significant uh, increase in alkalinity, which means uh, it was taking the corals are taking up less, and so it just gets healthy mindset that like nothing is like totally inert it's just not so toxic that you're adding Draino to the tank and everything's gonna die, yeah. it isn't that. But uh, I think this mindset kind of goes like way beyond uh, just fluconazole or anything else. It's like everybody out there says, oh, I use red slime remover, it was great. And another person says it killed everything. Well, like, where were you in that health scale? Because you really don't know. Oh yeah, you know? for sure one thing would just like kick it over the edge. It's you a know? tipping point, yeah, yeah, for sure. So fluconazole was a huge win in here, way better than all the other like silly things we were doing before, yeah. uh, like, you know, Magne- magnesium and stuff. I can go on and on about all that stuff. Uh, one of the things that worked
1: on the 160 that increased calcification was uh, working with higher pH and that came from the CO2 Scrubber or CO2 controller types. Uh, mm-hmm. With this is office space. Lots of people breathing in here. Lots of uh, in the weekend the pH we'd see it go up because nobody was here. During the week we'd see the pH drop. Uh, but it really wasn't in the. It really wasn't until we hooked the scrubber up that we saw like, hey, our our uh, alkalinity dosage for like I think we were on two part back then. Uh, we had to increase it
0: because yeah. it's not keeping up. Alkalinity is dropping. We're dosing by hand here, right? Yeah. And so we were dosing by hand. This is during a period we're using the alkalinity checker every day, you mm-hmm. know, to uh, test alkalinity. And so everybody knows they were supposed to like maintain our tanks at 8.3 or whatnot, mm-hmm. right? Like, I don't know, I never really felt like it was worth the amount of effort chasing it. Down. You know, chasing it Cause yeah. like most of the chemicals out there like don't work that way. Kelkwasser does to some degree, two part kind of does to some degree, but like if you're already using those things in the intended uh, manner, uh, like, there's like only so many things that go, all the pH buffers of the world are garbage yeah. and they'll actually hurt uh, most things uh, more than help. And so like, I just didn't feel like chasing the dragon on this one was actually gonna be like super helpful, right? Mm-hmm. But when we put that CO2 scrubber media on the skimmer, like We're instantaneously testing. like, oh my God, man, the alkalinity's dropping, yeah, right? No. Like overnight uh, and like, Where's it all going? Like you know, some theory. Well, at a higher pH, maybe there's more precipitation. Or like, Couldn't find was, it. Wasn't true. Yeah, man. didn't show up anywhere. We later on. It was the like the birth of a whole. Uh, BRS TV investigates that Randy did on higher pHs. Mm. The stuff grows like 50% faster at that high pH. It absolutely works. Yeah, it right. Uh, so and, and it, like matches like all known science on the you know, topic as well. Like we have fewer uh, uh, hydrogens inside of the coral's tissue means less uh, carbonic acid, which like, means uh, ultimately with the, car- with the carbon dioxide, uh, it means there's a lower pH inside the solution. And if we can get rid of it and help free the coral of all of that stuff, we can actually increase the pH inside the coral which can calcify faster. We see this stuff like in the ocean, we all know the effects of uh, acidity on the ocean, stuff's mm-hmm. all been super well documented. Now you have it in the tank, we have a better understanding. So the CO2 media on the skimmer was something that absolutely worked.
1: Oh yeah, and uh, it also involved that conversation around like what we can do with the Trident. So the Trident didn't exist back then. Uh, and there was inklings of like, some of these al- alkalinity monitors and stuff out there that were coming out. But with the fluconazole and with that CO2 stuff, like you were saying, uh, if we're able to monitor you know, this alkalinity uptake and, uh, and you know, decrease or increase in that uptake, then we can really start to play with different things, like maybe lights or maybe scrubbing CO2 or maybe changing my refugium. There's all these little tweaks that we can do and then watch that alkalinity and see what happens.
0: Mm -hmm. All right, so one last one, man, that worked before we get to all the stuff that didn't work uh, or the fails, I would say, (laughs) uh, is dry rock. All right. Okay, so this is actually an interesting one for me because uh, dry rock is absolutely harder to use than uh, wet rock that like came out of the ocean and has been mm. pre cured and all that kind of stuff. Right? Start
1: from nothing,
0: yep. basically. But you don't have all the pests on it and stuff. And this was actually a really interesting one. For those of you that watched uh, like one of our like, recent, uh, like the Vibrant mm-hmm. and the UV uh, sterilizer yeah. investigates, we had six tanks, three of them start with dry rock they got like hair algae and like common Crucifieds, stuff like, Chrysophytes, yeah The ones that came out of tanks they were actually live man all like though. just like an explosion <laughs> of algae in all three of them and it was you know, three dry versus three not, uh, or live, and it was the exact same replicas of each other. All across the board. Yeah, Yeah. like an explosion of algaes and all kinds of them, and even when one die off, some other crazy one would take its place, right? Hair algae, I don't know where that comes out of, like a magic uh, hair algae uh, uh, fairy, but like, it was such a big, big difference, like, like, I don't wanna use that. And that doesn't even think about like no. all of the coral pests and stuff that could come on it. Yeah, right? and that, the
1: coral pests, any just like Aptasia,
0: just unwanted pests and things
1: like that, but, uh, you know, when we were looking at the test that we did, the old mature rock the, uh, that we used versus the dry rock, that, that type of algae, and it's probably different on you, who knows, it's a crapshoot maybe, on what you'll get on some mm-hmm. of that uh, mature rock. But in this case, it was Ulva, and Ulva super hard to eradicate. It's like
0: R- almost impossible. Almost
1: impossible. Uh, so the Vibrant worked to some degree on it. There's probably some other things that we, we didn't really test on, but as far as like hair algae versus that algae, if I was going to, cho- if I was going to choose, like I had to have one or the other, I
0: could get rid of hair algae, but visually too, it? the rock had nothing on it. Yeah, in both cases. So even the live rock just looked like they live looked rock; s- didn't have any algae on it. They, you would visually. never guess what it was. It was in a that. dark area of its sun for like years. Yeah, right. So uh, that said. I mean, live rock doesn't even really exist anymore and it Uh probably won't, you know? So like, it's really, really hard to get your hands on actual live rock. Uh, Like came out of the ocean that way Mm. uh, at at this point. So it really doesn't matter. You can definitely get like cured rock or you know, fish store or whatnot has like, you know, held it for some amount of months in water or, you know, live rock that you had in a different tank. And there's no question, no question. that is an easier rock to start your tank with. Mm. You'll be able to get up to speed much, much, much faster with that type of rock than you would with absolutely dry. And by faster, I mean many months, in fact. Oh, right? yeah. But in, in this case, man, I, I gotta tell you, like every single tank that you've seen us ever do has all been dry rock, so like, there's a lot of debate, like, can you use dry rock, can you not? Can I, and I, I think a lot of the failures that happen out there, or challenges anyway, are the ones like, if you treat dry rock like you treated uh, wet live rock in the past, the chances that you succeed go way, 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 way down. Especially in those kind of gotta systems. know what you're getting into. Yeah, especially in those SPS systems
1: that we mm-hmm. found. Like uh we use your ULM we'll talk about this in the ULM update too but it just in a case in point using the live rock in your ULM that was it was already you know cured it was ready to go and the SPS corals in there are thriving mm-hmm. uh, if we if we've tried SPS corals in dry rock that it went through the cure and they just struggle they seem to like, have to take a year or a little over a year maybe even two years before the sps really starts to find its its groove
0: yeah it's definitely a, a longer path and you there's lots of different things you can do to help make that path like easier uh but like just knowing it uh, is part of it but like there's no question man like uh the used dry rock here was like cement man-made rock it was painted purple it looked good from I, day one yeah day one you could see it in there it looked fine uh and i think actually the epoxy on that rock actually flaked off out over time which <laughs> was kind of disappointing but it just got replaced uh, by coralline yeah, algae yeah there's tons of coralline in there yeah and so like i would call that work so here's the thing all of the stuff we talked about were the things that worked yes the list of stuff that didn't work is actually even longer, man. (laughs) Uh, uh, There's all kinds of different things here that we wish we could have done better. Uh, If I could do it over again, I would do. And so that's actually gonna be episode two of this series. Next week, we're gonna come back and and we're gonna share with you guys all the things that were wrong, all the fails, all the stuff that we wish we would have done better. Uh, So you see that uh, next week. So hit this link that showed up right here and uh, come back and join us next week because it will be right here in the playlist you'll be able to see all of the 52 weeks of reefing so thanks for joining us we'll see you next week